don't look now, here comes another retail pop-up. And there it goes. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The idea of the pop-up store isn't new. For years now, we've seen the temporary appearance of stores selling Halloween and Christmas merchandise, or maybe a fleeting kiosk in the mall stocked with calendars. But today's pop-ups are a lot more varied and sophisticated than that. They might not even be selling anything outright. A modern-day pop-up could be there for purposes of test marketing, serving as a kind of roaming focus group, or customer intelligence gathering, or maybe to highlight a new product introduction. My guest today is Melissa Gonzalez, retail strategist and founder of the Lioness Group, a firm of pop-up architects. She's the author of The Pop-Up Paradigm, How Brands Build Human Connections in a Digital Age. We'll talk about the history and purpose of retail pop-ups and how they're constantly evolving to attract the attention of the jaded consumer. We'll also look at the future of pop-ups and ask the question, are we headed for a world of chronic impermanence? So here is my conversation with Melissa Gonzalez. Melissa Gonzalez, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is an interesting idea, the pop-up. It's not as particularly new, but it definitely is gaining popularity. What is the origin of the concept of the pop-up store? I think if you look back to, to the Halloween stores and Ricky's, the concept was for seasonality, and it didn't make sense for all retailers to be open year-round, but it's definitely evolved. And now there's a whole slew of reasons why brands do pop-ups. They could be testing a new market. They might have a, a product that needs higher-level education. They're always looking to, to learn more about their customer. And, and just consumer expectations keep shifting, and they really want experience stores. So pop-ups lend themselves to that. You almost get the feeling that in some cases it was almost an afterthought. I remember, for instance, in the middle of a mall, they would throw up a, uh, a calendar store toward the end of the year which would, for obvious reasons, not hardly a permanent installation. But they had the space. They figured, why don't we fill it? It's a seasonal item. We'll just do it. And it wasn't necessarily planned, per se, the way that pop-ups are these days. Yes, absolutely. And, of course, as you point out, the purpose of the pop-up, not necessarily to sell merchandise or launch a brand. I mean, what are some of the other goals that a pop-up can achieve? At the end of the day, they're all trying to sell their story. And so product sales or service sales could follow that. But it's just really immersing your customers into the experience of your brand. What's the value proposition? What's the promise? What are you going to fulfill in their lives that isn't already there? That's really kind of the direction that we're seeing more and more. Where have we seen the biggest successes to date? Not counting, for instance, the Halloween stores, which are an obvious <laughs> thing, really the beginning of the concept in a way. What are some of the big successes and the big hits that you've seen uh, recently? 
One that we worked on uh, about two years ago is the Marc Jacobs Tweet Shop. It was a store where you paid with social currency. And for them, I think there was a number of reasons why it was successful. Number one, it wasn't about popularity. And and, and for a brand like Marc Jacobs and Fashion Week in New York City, it's very coveted. And so now you had this opportunity to be a part of a brand that had that cachet and it wasn't about how cool you were you just had to be and you just had the opportunity to inject yourself into the conversation and if you did that you got free product so the level of engagement they got was huge and although they didn't sell anything for money in the store the product sales for that fragrance line really grew double digits the next couple of quarters because of all of that brand equity that they built from the pop-up store was that, in essence, a store within a store? Where was it located? Nope. So they actually did it in various locations across the globe. But this one was in Soho in New York City. It was a standalone storefront. It was about 2,500 square feet. And then they also did it in London and Berlin. The pop-up, by its very nature, there's an element of surprise. Yes. But at the same time, you want people to know about it. It's sort of an interesting contradiction. So mm-hmm. how are they getting the word out these days? Is social media the absolute necessity? And could we even have pop-ups in an age without social media? It's definitely crucial, especially if you're talking about a mobile tour, like pop-up tour. Follow us on Twitter to see where we're going to be next is everything. But at the end of the day, it really depends on your customer and what platforms they use. I think more and more social media has become universal even beyond the millennials. But it's really about knowing the right platform. So is it Facebook? Is it Snapchat? Is it Instagram? And really engaging the key influencers early on and let them be the brand evangelist for you and get them excited about the pop-up and push it through their channels. And, you know, traditional media is not dead. So you're definitely going to want to hit your local top-tier publications to get the word out to them as well. Is there a similarity between the pop-up store and the pop-up event in that you also want to kind of introduce an element of exclusiveness? You want uh, customers to think that they have maybe – maybe they're loyal customers. They get the word first. They are in some kind of a loyalty program. So there is that, if, if not actual exclusivity, at least the illusion of it to draw people to a pop-up? Yeah, for sure. That whole feeling of uh, I have a limited time and I have to have it. The sense of urgency that pop-ups create is definitely a key factor in making it more successful. So the modern day pop-up, how does it differ from its origins? What is it, what is like the cutting edge pop-up look like today and what are some of the interesting elements that have been introduced to it recently? I think technology continues to evolve at consumer expectations and it also continues to enable different level of integration of the online offline channels in a physical store and that's what you're seeing more and more so it's allowing brands to kind of rethink inventory and if they could keep the store fully experiential and they can they can um, lessen that touch feel gap they don't necessarily have to have full inventory in the store and they have partners like a lift or Postmates or or just local warehousing where they're saying, okay, come in, experience the brand, and then we'll get it to your door within 24 hours. So that's definitely evolving what needs to happen and what size footprint brands are needing in order to have a retail presence. And then just the integration in general is allowing brands to learn a lot more. So there's integrating social media and, and that helps with brand awareness and marketing. You create these Instagrammable moments in the store and everybody wants to share on their social channels and that helps grow awareness. But then you also have the opportunity to learn with door counts and heat mapping and 
interactive mannequins and, and all this stuff. So it's really empowering retailers to learn more, but in turn, give the customers a better and more personalized experience. With all that in mind, it seems that one of the advantages of a pop-up is that there's really minimal risk in terms of you're not committing that much in terms of inventory or in terms of a commitment to a retail space. So I guess that is an advantage, correct? Absolutely. It's an advantage for sure. I mean, it, at the end of the day, you still have to think of through your goals and you have to align the mindset too of, of is this budget coming out of marketing? What kind of ROI do I expect? Uh, and that could help you make some educated choices about how much spend you put into it. But it definitely opens it up when you now need a thousand square feet instead of 3000 square feet because you can create the shoppable showroom environment. With that in mind, what are some of these supply chain and logistics considerations? I imagine it would be a little bit difficult. You've got to get an X amount of product, which you want. You don't want to run out necessarily, but you don't want to make too much at the same time. What are the considerations with logistics and ordering and supply chain that have to be kept in mind with a pop-up? There's a few things. The most important conversation we say to our client is internally, your whole company needs to be on the same page about the goals. And internally, you have to all be aligned on who's taking care of ordering the merchandise, shipping the merchandise, etc. And yet a lot of the times with the pop-up, you're not getting into a space early, but you do need to place those buys early. So finding a local warehouse is important. If you're an individual retailer brand, it's easier. You know what you're ordering, you know what you're shipping. If you're a marketplace, really making sure you're thinking through that template early on to say, okay, how do I make this as uniform as possible? And what's the due date that I need everything shipped by? And also making sure that you're collecting all the necessary information that's going to help you pre-plan merchandising. So what are the dimensions of the product inside the packaging, outside of the packaging? Because how is it going to lay front of house? And just making sure that you're taking time not only to inventory, but to properly mark everything. And that's where goals matter too, because if you, for example, want to track interaction with products, maybe some of that tagging includes RFID tags. So you're collecting data as customers are picking up your products. You really want to think about all that stuff as soon as possible because it'll impact the preparation of your inventory. I imagine you don't have too much of an opportunity for replenishment. I mean, the life of a pop-up is how long, typically? The life of a pop-up really ranges depending on the goals. And I know I keep going back to that. But for example, if you're a well-known brand and the, the, the goal of the pop-up is really a marketing activation to announce you have this new interactive app or an isolated campaign about it's the 50th anniversary of this fragrance or something like that, those tend to be very experiential and shorter term few days, five days, four days. They're not really testing market. If it's a brand that's really looking to, they're launching for the first time, they're testing market, they're educating, they're testing a partnership. Those tend to be longer. So anywhere from like one to six months. And I'm starting to see brands more and more pushing closer to staying open longer just because they're realizing it to do it right. There's a lot of upfront cost, and they, they want the opportunity to, to make back that ROI. Again, with a short life cycle of a pop-up, it doesn't give you much time to get information of value with respect to your customers, does it, to, or to assess the popularity of your brand on any basis other than that very short time in which it was exposed to the public. So I'm wondering how you measure the success of a pop-up or, or how you acquire enough in customer intelligence given the fact that you're not going to be there that long. The longer you stay, the more accurate that's going to be. You don't have skewed data, but but that's why it's great that technology continues to evolve. So there's a lot of points within the store that you could allow you to learn. 
there's the creating those Instagrammable moments. You can learn a lot about what will give you marketing ideas going forward based on what are people gravitating to? What are they saying about your brand or they're posting? What's surprising and delighting them? What product is there like, is everybody posting the red shoe? And what does that mean? So there's that qualitative data you'll get. There's the data you're going to get from your POS and understanding, you know, the busiest times of days for sales and how many products per purchase and what's the average cart size. And then there's empowering your store staff, which I think a lot of brands are still ramping up to learn. They are also sources of information for you and really training them to help you learn as much as possible. You can learn a lot about buying habits of your customers. Do they come in alone? Do they come in with a family member? Do they shop with their girlfriends? And that can give you ideas of how you're going to market to them going forward. And then if you're there longer time, you're going to change out your window display. How does that impact um, interaction and, and people coming in? Door sensors will allow you to track door counts. And if you have the budget for it, you can also have sensors with, throughout the store. So you could do some heat mapping analysis to understand where people gravitate to. So if you do have another store or maybe a different space or you stay there longer, it'll give you some ideas of how you might re-merchandise the layout based on the customer traffic flow within the store. And then you go from there, you talk in the book about the use of artificial intelligence and beacon technology to serve customers once you are armed with that type of knowledge. Talk a little bit about how that figures into the pop-up world. Sure. It's tricky because a lot of it depends on how well you communicate to the customer and how willing your customer is to opt into these experiences. So a customer still has to opt in in order for you to deliver those messages through beacons. But if you've clearly demonstrated to them, hey, we have a benefit to you if you opt in, now you've learned a little bit about me. Uh, maybe the last couple times I was in the store, say we're in a supermarket. The last couple times we went into the store, I always bought pouches for my daughter. You can tell me which ones are on sale proactively to get me to buy more. So it's a great way to, to re-engage, to make me feel like I have a personal connection, to upsell me, and to just make it feel like I have more of a a one-on-one -on -one shopping experience happening even if I'm in a big store. What lessons have we learned with the in the modern age of pop-ups in terms of what works and what doesn't work? I mean, obviously a lot of this is, is new stuff and you only learn through experience. So could you talk a little bit about maybe some failures and some and hard lessons that uh, retailers have learned in pop-ups that didn't work in the way that they were expected to? Sometimes it's just an element of, of market fit. So I've seen a couple examples. I've seen some that have failed and then came back stronger. Uh, I talk about that in my book. There's a brand who she was designing for women at a college. She had short hemlines. She was going more sexy. She was at a high price point. And there was a bit of a disconnect because that customer wasn't looking for that kind of product. But because her pop-up was in Midtown, she stumbled upon another customer that she never thought of, who's well-traveled, discretionary income, wants dresses that are easy to put on, fit, reliable fit, and if she finds it, she's willing to buy it in multiple colors. So she went back to the drawing board after being upset from that first pop-up, redesigned her dresses, rethought about positioning and price pricing, came back a year later for a one-month pop-up and broke even the first week. And she has since grown her business from that. So she really took the time, once she got over being a little sad about it, to learn, okay, this wasn't a fit for this market, but I found a new market that I actually think I could design really well for. How am I going to pivot my business a bit to serve that market? So I think that if a brand can do that, that's, that's really valuable. I mean, these pop-ups essentially serve as huge focus groups that are giving you data. Yeah, that's the real value, isn't it? 
Yeah, as opposed to any kind of more permanent thing that a, that a permanent brick and mortar or an online merchant would seek. What about the possibility, so far it seems we've been talking mostly about physical store type pop-ups. What about the possibility of online pop-ups, websites that show up for a temporary time, or deals or within particular stores within stores on websites? Is that also a phenomenon or might it be in the future? Yeah, I mean, store and store in a physical space is definitely more and more what you're seeing. And I think co-retailing is more and more what you're seeing, integrating a service-oriented company with a product-oriented company. So you see a lot of cafes in the middle of a retail store, etc. As far as the digital online, I mean, it could work. To me, they call it a pop-up, but at the end of the day, it's a flash sale. And I don't know how much it satisfies that experiential touch-feel gap that we're really getting out of having a brick-and-mortar space. Do you think that there's the danger in the, in the future, if we see enough of these, that consumers might eventually tire of the concept? And How do you keep it fresh? And Because it's, it's not novel anymore. Absolutely. I do think that, and I tell clients all the time, it's not enough to just say I'm doing a pop-up. When we first started in 2009, it did have that kind of mystique, oh, you know, what's a pop-up? I think to keep it successful, it's important that there's a very clear curation and storyline of your store, of your pop-up store. So it does feel special and unique because whether it feels fatigued or not, when somebody walks into a pop-up shop, they definitely walk in with a different mindset than if they walk into a department store that's there year round. They're really going in to discover and they expect to be surprised and delighted. That's one of the things that are in their mind when they walk in the door. And so brands really need to remember that when they're thinking of, okay, what's the story I'm gonna tell them to my space? And how am I going to design for that? And how am I going to create an experience that feels a little bit more special? Melissa, how did you become interested in this concept? What was your first experience with a pop-up? And how did it kind of become something that you felt was worthy of a book? By accident, I had left Wall Street at the beginning of 2009 to pursue a more creative field. Uh, at the time, I was working on a trading desk, which was my right brain. And I was producing indie films, which was my left brain. And I really wanted to pursue more of that creative uh, avenue. So the first pop-up was an experiment. A friend of mine had retail space and offered it to me and said, do you want to partner and do something creative? And I had a designer and it all worked out and it was instant kind of demand on the brand side to do this. So I knew we had something there kind of organically. I think it took me a little time over the years to figure out why I was so drawn into this because it's not what I left Wall Street for. But at the end of the day, it became a perfect marriage of my right and left brain because I have to have a business mindset if we're going to create successful activation, but it does require a deep level of creativity as well. How do you see in the future this whole retail landscape shaping up? I mean, we've already seen, even before the pop-ups, we've seen shorter product life cycles. We've seen more seasons in apparel and other types of products. I'm wondering if we're going to get to the point where permanence just isn't even there, where almost everything in retailing is temporary and fast and coming and going and causing dizzying uh, experiences on the part of the consumer. Or is this going to continue just to be kind of a side phenomenon to brick-and-mortar retailing and traditional online retailing? I think it's just going to continue to evolve. It hasn't found itself yet. I mean, it's, 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 it, in some senses, it's cyclical. So if I think about when I first started, pop-ups on the, on the real estate side were kind of just due to the fact of financial reasons, right? And landlord open-minded. Now you're seeing a big shift on the development side and the retail side of, of brokers understanding, okay, we, we need to develop relationships with these e-commerce brands. 
and some of our cost of acquisition will be signing these shorter term leases so we can kind of date a little while before we marry. And I think that there's enough businesses that are shutting down and, and, and a lot of these companies that don't have in their pockets addresses that they could just write off as marketing expenses. But on the other side, e-commerce is getting very saturated, so they need ways to differentiate themselves. And, and physical space is allowed to do that. But the more and more we integrate the evolution of technology with what brands are wanting, the more and more just the way that they're using physical space is gonna to continue to evolve. And you're seeing it in all levels. For example, you go to a manufacturers now, they have magnetic flooring because they're building for modular design. And they're like, okay, we'll put down PVC and then you could put a wood floor one day and you pick up that magnet and you could have stone tiles the next day. So across the board, they're doing it. But I don't think brick and mortar is going to go away. I just think that people are going to continue to approach it in a more and more creative way. The book is called The Pop-Up Paradigm, How Brands Build Human Connections in a Digital Age, revised and expanded, second edition, by my guest, Melissa Gonzalez. Melissa, I want to thank you so much for being with us and explaining the phenomenon of the pop-up. We'll be following it with interest and perhaps connect up with you at a later date to see how it all evolves. But in the meantime, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. That was my conversation with retail strategist Melissa Gonzalez talking about the phenomenon of the pop-up shop. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming and downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.